0: Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you
1: stream. Connect the snooze. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, kids. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, enjoying himself profusely, since the topic we're about to talk about is going to be fun, uh, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. It's all about the game and how you play it. All about control and if you can take it.
0: All about your debt and if you can pay it. It's all about the pain and who's going to make it. <laughs> I am the game. You don't want to play me.
1: Nice. Thank you. I'm sure you don't recognize that, and I'll tell you where it's from later. Okay. But I I will say that I'm I'm sure our long-term listeners who know our propensity for quoting certain movies about video games – probably are very happy that you found a quote that had nothing to do with certain movies. Yes, this had nothing to
0: do do with War Games or Tron.
1: (laughs) Or fighting (laughs) for the users. So today, however, we're going to talk about professional gamers. That's one topic that people have asked us to mention uh, many times in the past. We have talked about similar topics, though. Yeah,
0: we talked about video game testers, the, the play testers who, as a profession, actually uh work with video game companies to test out video games in order to make sure that they are playable and they don't have any bugs. If you want to he- hear more about that, we have a podcast about it, and we also have an article on HowStuffWorks.com about how video game testers work. Yeah. But in this case, we're talking about a different kind of professional gamer, not someone who's testing out a, a product that's still uh, in the development stage, but people who actually play games for a living.
1: Yes, and you would imagine that... uh Anything where you don't have to sit at a desk and actually do typical work, um, would be a lot of fun. But I think, and, and, and for, uh, video game testing, we talked about that. It's not necessarily, you know, hey, I get to play games all day. This is a lot closer to that, but it's not necessarily fun either. I mean, there's a lot of work involved in this. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: The, the, for video game testing, it's all about, you know, checking every square inch of a map to make sure there aren't any spots that you would accidentally pass through and you know, and that players would discover could that could be an exploit or it could just be a bug that makes the game unplayable. It's not necessarily fun. Uh now, professional gamers, it also there's an element of fun to it. There's an element of of competition, obviously, but it's also a lot of work in the sense that you have to really put in a lot of time to get really, really good at certain types of games if you want to compete on a professional level.
1: Yeah, um, I did some reading on this since, you know, I'm not a professional gamer. Um, since most of these games, you know, aren't, aren't you know, Tetris. Right. Uh, <sighs> kidding, I do play other games besides Tetris. But I don't play a lot of the, the, the types of video games um, because – uh, I'm not really a, a first-person shooter kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, I've played them and they're fun, but it's not the thing I, I tend to do. I, t- I tend to prefer strategy games. Yeah. Um, Although there are some uh, real-time strategy I, I was, uh, tournaments. Yeah. I was going to say, don't pause the podcast and write to me and tell me that you that's not the case. So, yeah, yes, I'm aware of that.
0: StarCraft is way up there.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I and, and things like Civilization, so... There's not, they're not really tournaments for this, but yeah, the people who are, are, uh, professional video gamers are, are really a sp- very specific sort of breed. They're, they tend to be young people. Yep. Um, and they, they tend to be people who are, uh, for, for a couple reasons, but they also tend to be people who are, um, really into, uh, techie and, and, uh, Scholarly pursuits, I would say, there are a lot of people who are students, who are serious students, who are really into video games.
0: And there are a lot of this level. There are a lot of people who actually have a pretty good amount of discretionary income as well, because in order to be a pro gamer, you usually have to have a, a pretty decent gaming rig so that you can play a game at its at its uh, best settings. Because here's the thing about um, about a, a tournament. So. Let's say that you are used to playing uh, a video game. Let's just argue – for argument's sake, let's pick one. Let's call it – let's do Quake because that's a really popular one in tournaments. Sure. All right.
1: A first-person shooter game.
0: So, yeah, you've got a first-person shooter game. You've got Quake, which you can play in competitive play one-on-one against other people. Um and so you've got this uh you got quake and you're you've, you're pretty good at it mm-hmm. uh, but you have you know just a decent machine so what you've done is you've turned the polygon count down and you know you've turned off some of the effects so that the game runs more smoothly on your computer and you've got you know a decent mouse and a decent keyboard and um so you, you know you're good well pro gamer is going to be running that on a really fast machine with a really nice mouse and keyboard setup maybe one that's almost customized for that gamer some of them actually do have custom units where they'll they'll play these games and that can give them the edge they need in order to play at a professional level where you know pretty good just doesn't cut it pretty good means you're out in the first round mm-hmm. you have to be uh, astonishingly good and one of the reasons you need to have a really good gaming rig is that you have to be used to playing at that setting, because if you're playing in a tournament, most tournaments, they're going to want those settings cranked up. And the reason they want those settings cranked up is because it looks better. Mm-hmm. If you're promoting a tournament, if you are trying to get sponsorships, you want those games to look as good as they possibly can. So you don't want to have the polygon count turned down, you know, even if it makes the game smoother, you would prefer to, to, beef up all the computers in the system rather than uh to have the graphics suffer because you don't want the cameras to pick up some sort of low polygon count uh video game because it makes it look more amateurish right right so you know you you need to have that that money just so that you have a gaming rig and and a lot of the professional gaming uh, leagues and tournaments focus on PC gaming. Console gaming is also present, but it's not as big a a Uh, market as PC gaming is in the tournaments uh, realm.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: So you need the discretionary income for your rig, but you also need it because you need to be able to make travel arrangements. Because the way professional gamers, most professional gamers, I should add, make money is that they go and they play in tournaments. And if you want to make money, you not only just play in tournaments, you got to win tournaments. And those tournaments may not be just down the street from your house. They may be in another city, they may be in another country. Yes. And you will have to travel there. You might first have to travel to a preliminary event so that you can qualify to go on to the next round, which might be in a different country. So you're talking about a profession where you already have to have a certain amount of money in order to really to really compete at a at the top level. Uh and there are various pathways to get there if you are not you, – you might be saying, well, why – so you're essentially telling me that professional gaming is for the independently wealthy and really it's just a way to waste time. Uh, not not quite. There are ways of getting there, but we'll get into that.
1: Yeah, it's um, – I was trying to find a way to say this, but I, I think the best way to say it is a lot of people who are professional gamers um, fit into a stereotype for gamers. yeah because of the things you mentioned the discretionary income um and because also there a lot of people are are younger so there are people who are living in their parents basement because yep. they don't have to pay you know not because they are they're fitting into a stereotype but actually they're probably fueling it but the thing is um you know they don't they don't have to worry about paying rent yes they are you know hanging out there they uh they probably have a job or, you know, for the younger kids, you know, they're going to school and have a job to, yep. to help pay for these things. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's part of why there, there is that stereotype, but it's not, it's a result of, like I said, I think this behavior fuels that stereotype rather than them being us making the stereotype. About right. Them. Right. It's just, right. Because a lot of the people, uh, one of the reasons that young people are such, Common competitors in, in these tournaments is that um, you have to have really good reflexes. Yeah,
0: really good hand eye coordination and reflexes. Yeah.
1: I read some interviews with uh, pro gamers, yeah. and um, I said, yeah, you know, at a certain point, your visual acuity, your you know, your dexterity starts to to drop off, and you really don't see people over thirty, uh, which of course rules me way out. Yeah, um, for me these too. things, but um, yeah, I mean that. So that's why you see a lot of kids. And, you know, younger 20-somethings yeah. in, in these tournaments. So generally these are people who are not necessarily established
0: already. Or if they're established, they're tenuously established. Yeah. And, and here's the thing about being a professional gamer is that, yeah, you can, in theory, make some big money if you are really, really good and you win some tournaments. Uh, for example, one of the one of the go-to references, one of the ones, most probably one of the most famous professional gamers in the uh, Western Hemisphere anyway, is, uh, is Jonathan Wendell also known as fatality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and that the the I in fatality is the number 1. one. Uh he
1: so, he's so elite.
0: Yes, he actually won a uh, tournament where the 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 grand prize was $150,000. Mm-hmm. Well, for that year that means he won 150 grand uh, on top of whatever else he might have earned in other tournaments or other other uh, ventures. But there's no guarantee that that's going to repeat the next year. So You know, in order to in order to be a professional gamer, you may not be able to have a sustainable career in the sense of you don't know that next year you're going to make that same amount of money or Mm -hmm. even any money at all. It may turn out that you know you just have a bad day at at the tournament, or you or it may be that the uh, the next crop of players are just that much better. It may be that the tournament switches games. That's something that we really need to focus on because think about this: when you are a professional athlete, Mm -hmm. all right. The rules for your sport rarely change in a huge way. They normally change in tiny ways, and even then you will hear players really complain. I remember uh, back in the 1996 Olympics that there was some discussion about the soccer balls being used in the soccer games because they were slightly different from a standard that had been used previously previously. And I mean, that sort of thing is a big deal because that tiny little change can affect how well an athlete at that level can perform. But think about that. You know, like that's the tiniest change. But if you're a professional gamer, the changes may be monumental. It may be that one year they're doing Quake and the next year they've switched to Counter-Strike. Those are two totally different games with different physics, different... There's different frame rates. There's different... Uh, you're going to have a different experience. You know, you're going to move at a different speed. The weapons behave in a totally different way. Uh, plus, you know, it may be that one game is a one-on-one style game and the other game is a team-based game, mm-hmm. which then affects not just the physics, but truly the strategy. You have to learn new maps. You have to, you know, be able to really adapt to it. So professional gamers may have some pretty big hurdles from one year to the next, which means that it is really hard to say that you're going to make a decent amount of money year over year. Uh, now, you could do what Fatality did. He was really, really smart. He ended up making his own brand, and he ended up partnering with uh, uh, various component uh, manufacturers, things like video game uh, uh Uh, graphics cards Mm -hmm. and gaming gear and because of that he's able to make money through those means not just as a professional gamer but through these licenses right so that's one way to continue to earn money even if you were to have say an off year into the tournaments you would still have this other source of revenue right right it's also smart to do if you are you know creeping up on that age 30 and who knows when your your reflexes will start to just give a little bit? Because remember, again, at this level, the tiniest detriment can mean the difference between losing and winning.
1: <sighs> the reflex is a lonely child. It's oh. all in the reflexes. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, there there are other things too. Um, uh, you were mentioning that that Starcraft is huge. It is. Yeah. It is monumentally huge in Korea. Yes. uh,
0: South Korea professional gaming is actually viewed on a level that is uh, probably uh, uh, approximately the same level as most professional athletes. Mm -hmm. Now, that's most, that's pretty unusual. I mean, most other countries, that's just not the case. Uh, China's a little bit like that, but not to the level that South Korea is at. And in the United States, you know, there's an underground professional gamer uh, uh, culture but it's it has never reached mainstream acceptance like it has in South Korea. In South Korea, they will televise tournaments mm-hmm. and on major networks, and you you can tune in and watch as players play against each other. And their events that they hold have thousands of spectators who will come in and watch the the gamers play. Uh, in the United States, it's mostly gamers and other gamers who attend these things. With uh, you know. Friends and family that spill out beyond that, and then a few fans, but only a few compared to what you would find in South Korea. Right. So there's there's that difficulty too, is just the fact that video games don't have the same kind of level of uh, uh, fascination and respect in the United States as they do in South Korea.
1: Right. Right. Well, I was um, I was reading an interview with uh, Greg Fields, uh, who I'm really not sure how I would pronounce his handle. Well, hang on, um, I got to put my glasses it's on. Capital I. Uh, I'd say Idra. Yeah. I-D-R, capital A. He's a, he's a StarCraft gamer and he spent a lot of time in Korea. And they were talking about, uh, they asked him about StarCraft and why he chose StarCraft. And, uh, not only is he a StarCraft gamer, that's, you know, his game of choice, but he also specializes on one particular faction. And he was, he was talking about, you were, you were mentioning what happens if the tournament changes games. Yeah. Well, right now, well, at the time of the interview, he was saying that uh, Blizzard had made his faction of choice um, sort of underpowered. I believe it was Zerg that he preferred. Um, and Terrans were stronger. And he hoped that they would patch that. And they said, well, why don't you just switch to Terrans or something else? Like, well, if I do that, I'm going to have to learn their strengths. And, mm-hmm. you know, once Blizzard fixes this, as I think they will, then I'm going to be – I'm going to have to go back – to my old faction, and you know, I, I would have spent a lot of time preparing yeah. for a faction that I really don't want to be playing until they patch this one. So I'm just going to hang in there. And these, but these, yeah, the little subtle changes to the games, even.
0: Yeah, it can make huge difference. Yeah, the professional gamers, you got to keep in mind a lot of these guys spend hours each day playing games, playing against other people, seeking out people who are. Uh, you know, at least ranked better than they are, in order to learn new strategies and to test their own skills and make sure that the things that they're doing actually work in a game setting. Uh, you know, they're they're treating it like you would a, a professional sport. You know, it's not necessarily that they're playing for fun; they're playing to win in order to win tournaments. And that might sound like fun to you, but it really is a very competitive and very high stress kind of thing to do. Because you know, once you get to that level, once you get into the tournament. You know, you pretty much have the one choice, one, one chance rather to, to beat out all the other competitors. And there may be thousands of them. Now, granted, you know, you might beat them out by proxy, like someone else beats, uh, uh, me and I'm out of the tournament. And then later on, you manage to beat the guy who beat me. And that means that, you know, by extension, you beat me as well. You're very mean, both of you. Um, (laughs) but but still you have to be good enough to get through all those multiple levels and you got to remember every single other person out there is thinking that he or she is just as good as you are or better or else they wouldn't be there um especially yeah, they, you know if they had to travel quite a distance for that tournament
1: yeah yeah a lot of them do have that i was reading interviews with they they do have quite a bit of swagger going on i got to say
0: oh yeah no there's some there's some trash talking that that really is on the level of a uh, of of beauty and art truly between these guys <laughs> uh, and and ladies uh, we should also mention there's another way of making money by being a professional gamer besides oh. tournaments and uh and and sponsorships um you could become an official well it's kind of a sponsorship there's a there's a professional gaming group called the Frag Dolls they are sponsored by Ubisoft and Frag Dolls are uh, it's a uh, this group of ladies who are um uh, all very very strong video game players, and they will enter tournaments as a team,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: as as a member of the Frag Dolls, and they represent Ubisoft. They they're also there to represent the uh, female gamer demographic, and also just to kind of be uh, another voice in in the whole video game industry. So they're kind of like spokespeople as well as professional gamers, but they're getting paid specifically by a company. To do this sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a little different from the people who either join as a lone wolf in a tournament or what's more common is that you'll see teams or clans of gamers join tournaments. Yeah. So you might have a clan of of gamers who are all, you know, of the professional level, join a tournament together and uh, and either play in team based uh, uh, games, or they may be playing one-on-one, but, you know, they're all, you know, by, by having a group of them there, they have a more likelihood of winning the big prize as a clan. Mm-hmm. Um, and to join a clan, you pretty much have to already show that you're a really good gamer, and then you essentially get, uh, you, you gotta get lucky. You gotta have someone from that clan say, hey, you know, there's this guy, he's an up and comer, he's showing real promise. Um, I think he'd be a good addition to our team, and then, you know, Each team has its own way of determining whether or not they want to bring someone else new in. But then you might be able to join a clan. And the nice thing about uh, clans is that uh, they can sometimes get sponsorships as a group. And sponsorships can sometimes help pay for things or at least offset costs like travel costs and lodging and all that kind of stuff. So it's one way that players can uh, pursue a professional gaming career without putting as much a – uh, personal investment into it as as they would otherwise. Yeah, yeah. it's still not easy, <laughs> but it's possible.
1: So so, what do you want to? What do you do if you want to become a professional gamer? I think the simplest. Uh, you got to start out, as you said, with some serious hardware. Yeah, I mean, if you're using your two year old PC, it's not going to cut it. I mean, yeah, you can get started. Yeah, you can you can learn how to play the game. I think that. uh is probably of primary importance, really, is, um, you know, if you look at, at the manuals for games like this, Now, going on my personal experience, when I, I remember playing Warcraft 3 a few years ago, I never bothered learning the key combinations yeah. to make my troops form up on one another to, you know, make squads. Right. And I didn't bother learning about the build orders that a lot of people were using. Yeah. So then I'd go on battle.net net. Our Battle net. I'm sure a lot of people omit the dot. Yeah. Um, And I, you know,
0: basically get, get, get your slaughtered.
1: Your yeah, and it wouldn't take any time at all because for me, I like figuring out. I was like, okay, so what will I do here? Meanwhile, my opponent was sitting there going, okay, I build this, I build this, I build that, I build that. And I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go find him, and I'm going to kill him. And that's pretty much what happened every single time. Because yeah, you have to learn the commands, and you have to learn these things, so you can move very, very quickly. Speed is of the essence in these games.
0: There's some great videos online that show professional gamers using those those keystrokes and uh, and the commands uh, at a crazy rate, especially the Korean uh, players who are playing StarCraft. They, yeah. they are particularly known for that, where they are using... A crazy number of commands per minute. I mean, it's, it's, it's easily at, more than a command per second for a lot of these players, mm-hmm. uh, where they are, 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 they've already got their strategy before they've even started the game. Yeah. And they've just started, they just start implementing it as soon as the game says go. So it almost becomes a contest of not just whose strategy is better than, than, uh, whose, but who can type the fat, or who can, Execute commands the quickest. Yeah, um, it's a combination of those two. I mean, obviously, if you don't have the strategy, it doesn't really matter if you can uh, uh, execute commands more quickly, because someone with a better strategy may still be able to take you down. You have to have both. But um, yeah, the the speed at which these players put those commands in is pretty frightening <laughs> in a way. So you- but yeah, you, you gotta you gotta learn all that stuff and practice all that stuff, and you can start playing things like there are a lot of online. Tournaments. Now, online games are always going to be a little different from most tournament based play because latency. On, yes, online introduced latency. It also has an element where it makes it harder to prevent cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh there are various modifications out there for games that allow players to to cheat. So there are times where you may run up against someone who's running that and a, you know a mediocre player with a a cheat program may be able to defeat a professional who's playing legitimately. Yep. Um based depending upon what the cheat allows that that mediocre player to do. Now, what kind of satisfaction does someone get out of using a cheat program to beat someone? I don't understand that because that's not really you beating another person. Yeah. You know, but anyway, that's beside
1: the point. I'm sure that, you know, the anonymity that we've talked about that goes along with the internet, um, has something to do with it for some people because you can't, no one would really be able to prove that you didn't do it. Right. So, so, so
0: you want to do things like, you know, want to have LAN parties where you can play against other people. You want to. That will make it
1: more realistic. Right.
0: You want to look into any sort of local tournaments that are being held. Sometimes they're tournaments being held by companies that are just doing it as a promotional event where, you know, you might see like Microsoft is holding a game tournament nearby and that it's a game, one of the games that you're really interested in and that you, you really know. Then by all means, you should go and enter that tournament. I've actually played in a uh, a in a tournament once. Really? Yeah. Um. It was total fluke that I got in, and uh, and I was I was eliminated in the first round. But it was really close. Mm-hmm. I almost got to the second round, but my my opponent defeated me. Um. But it was w- literally within the last like thirty seconds of play that wow. it, it came down to, and I was I was going to win until those last thirty seconds. So it just shows that I choke at the end of the game, kind of <laughs> like the Braves. So. Ouch. Um. Yeah. Hey. You know what? They've broken my heart. Anyways, <laughs> not like the Thrashers though. Oh my gosh. I, well, anyway, no, that's uh, a different anyways, discussion. Um, that's professional sports, not professional gaming. So yeah, you you, you want to compete in these local events as much as possible, and then start looking into maybe some of the you know if if you're actually winning these events, if you're consistently doing well, then it might be time to start looking at larger tournaments and see if there are any preliminary rounds that are within uh, you know a, a reasonable distance of where you live and try and enter those as well. It might not quite be time for you to book a flight to Korea, but you can at least start playing on uh, on a higher level and test your skills out against other professionals. Keep in mind that a breakaway success like a brand new player just entering the the video game world and taking it by storm is the thing of legend it really doesn't happen. Uh, most professional gamers will tell you it can take a couple of years of dedicated hardcore practice and tournament play before you start getting to a level where you can actually compete.
1: I think though that um uh, you you probably as an actor will agree with me uh when I say that that doesn't mean that you shouldn't enter a tournament no. and and give up because having even if you Honestly, fail miserably. You get the experience of having uh, an opportunity to see what the environment is like and and sort of audition in that world. Yeah. Um. You know, you might not, you might, in my actor analogy, you might not get the part, but you see what an audition is like, and so right. you can get an idea of how people behave at a tournament and what you can expect from other people and what the conditions are like. So you know. Don't go in expecting to win. Don't, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try your best.
0: Right. Yeah. You might, who knows? You might become that legend. It is, it's not that it's impossible. It's just that it's really improbable. Yeah. And if nothing else, you'll learn, you know, different tricks that you may never have thought of for Uh the game and see, like, you know, seeing how you were defeated can teach you how to play better the next time. And I mean, that's really what tournament play is all about is learning all the different tricks of the of the the maps and the physics of the game mm-hmm. and the the various uh, uh shortcuts you can take in order to really get the edge on your opponent and uh you know learning that by yourself is is pretty difficult you pretty much have to learn it through experience unless you're just you know some sort of prodigy on video games which you know
1: you could be who knows
0: right which is uh, different
1: from video games on prodigy which no longer right exactly um oh, i was just going to say that uh you know, the best part is probably going to be the practice, you know, because yeah. you, that means you have to spend, you know, two to 10 hours a day working on your favorite video game, perfecting your moves and your, your controls and, and your strategy for winning the game. But, um. You you can also use a tournament for an opportunity, in, just like in other types of jobs, uh, with conventions and other get-togethers, uh, as an opportunity to network with other people who are good at what they do. Um, if you can meet some other gamers, maybe learn some tips and tricks from them. Uh, you know, maybe even get in, you know, if you get a, a relationship going with them, perhaps when you're uh, really good at your craft, you can, you can uh, join up with their group um that's how how alliances are formed in these worlds and and you know not all of the tournaments are single player versus single player sometimes they're teams yeah and uh you know if you can get other good players around you that's an advantage
0: yeah i've seen the frag dolls play in person and they were playing a team based game mm-hmm. and uh in their case they had really um worked you could tell that they worked really well as a team together for one thing they had uh, uh they had code names for different areas on the map which did not immediately give the location away to the other team. So they could tell, tell each other, I've got sector A covered and they know wh- what, which sector is sector A because they have personally gone through and divided up the map and given it names. So the other players would say, all right, well, sector A is covered. I'm going to go move over to sector B. And, uh, you know, at, at the, meanwhile, their opposing team has no idea. What these sectors mean, where they are, they have no clue which areas of the map are being covered, which ones aren't, and uh, and they were at a real disadvantage. Now, granted, when I was watching it, it was at CES, and the opposing teams were made up of random people who wanted to step up and play against the Frag Dolls, and it was four random players versus three Frag Dolls, and you might think that that's an advantage, that the numbers game is an advantage. Or you might think that, hey, that means the Frag Dolls have one extra target to aim at. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take on average, uh, one of those games? Well, no, the the games were played out at a – I think it was like they were played out through a time limit. It wasn't that you were oh, killed okay. and you were out. You would just keep playing and then – but no, the Frag Dolls would pretty much – you know the, the number of kills on the Frag doll side versus the number of kills on the opponent's side was usually a, around five to one <laughs> ratio. It was like the Frag Dolls would get five kills to the other team's one kill – in general. That's pretty I mean, efficient. There were some where you'd see the frag dolls really mop up on the, on the opposing team. And that, that was, showed the value of teamwork. It wasn't just that the frag dolls were really good players, which they are. It Got shows it. that they work in a very well coordinated, organized way. So both of those uh, components were very necessary to be able to be that elite. Also, they were quite lovely. They <laughs> still throw like girls. Oh. Uh, <laughs> They tossed out, uh, uh, t-shirts to the crowd afterward.
1: Um, yeah, don't, don't insult them. They no, no, will just they, mop up the floor with yes, you they, just that much more quickly. They will,
0: they will pwn me. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, professional gaming is kind of an interesting, uh, uh, route to take. It's, it's one that very few people can make work just because the odds are really against you. I mean, you have to be really good and you have to be willing to put in a lot of money and time and effort in order to get there. Uh, and, it doesn't and, mean it's impossible.
1: It's just really tough. And the economy uh, changes in the economy over the last few years really cut down on yeah. the number of professional gaming events. Yeah, there were, I remember there were reading some that leagues, a couple of years ago. Yeah, that,
0: several that, leagues folded and some tournaments yeah. ended because they just the, the sponsorship money dried up and there was no money for rewards. And you know, without that, you don't have the you know the, bragging rights only go so far. So you, you, a lot of these tournaments have have sprung up and collapsed within the time frame of, uh, uh, professional gaming really getting started. And, you know, also you should keep in mind that if you are really good at a particular game, let's say Counter-Strike. Uh-huh. Let's say you're really good at Counter-Strike. Keep in mind that the version of Counter-Strike that some tournaments play may be a modded version that give you different, uh, options than the standard version. So that's something else you gotta look at is like we were saying, there's not necessarily a standardized platform for any particular game out there. Um, so when you enter a tournament, it may turn out that surprise, it doesn't behave exactly the way you expected it to because they're running a modified version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, again, it's one of those things that professional athletes normally don't have to worry about. You don't usually have to say like, Hey, I'm going to do the pole vault and the pole here is 11
1: inches shorter than what, what I've been practicing with. What's up with that? You know, that's usually not going to be the case. But you do have to take into account things like weather conditions and temperature and... Sure. You know. Yeah, there are other elements that can... Home field change. advantage. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway... Uh, it, it's fascinating stuff. It is really neat. It's, it's um, you know, not something that I think the general populace thinks of as something you could do for a living. And as, as you said, it's... There are very few people who really can... Make it work. Make it work just yeah. because there are not as many opportunities in that, in that realm, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to watch and, and to see people at that level play is incredible. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much different.
0: Yeah, especially, especially if you ever, like I said, go to YouTube and look at some of these tournament videos and you can watch them, uh, the players, uh, watch their hands on the keyboard and they never stop. They never, it's never like even a pause to think about what to do next. You just see those fingers just flying over the various commands while, uh, while the, you know, spe- there's this one I saw where it was, I think, um four reporters for some some uh, gaming website versus one professional gamer or maybe it was three, three, three of the writers versus one professional gamer. And the three mm-hmm. writers got to gang up on the professional gamer. And one by one, you'd see the, the writers say, Oh no, <laughs> until finally there's just one left. He's like, I'm so alone. And just getting <laughs> completely wiped out by the pro. And, and the pro talked about how many commands he was able to execute per minute. And he said, compared to the Koreans, this is, this is still slow. Yeah. Which to me was insane because I thought he was flying. Um, and if you guys are interested in the the big tournaments, there are two really big ones that happen every year, uh, World Cyber Games and the Electronic Sports World Cup. Um, I believe both of those are still running. Uh, there are other ones that I was going to name off, but frankly, some of them just don't exist anymore. So I'm not going to go through the whole list. But uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. And if you guys have any questions about other topics you would like us to talk about, you should send us an email. That address is techstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Or you can contact us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is TechStuffHSW. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Game on.
1: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.